Abolition. Abolition. Senator Lou now moves to pick back up House Bill 298 by Representative Jordan. It's a joint resolution to amend Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution relative to the prohibition of slavery and involuntary servitude. Senator Luno. Thank you, Mr. President. Members, under subsection B1, it currently reads, slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, except in the, lesser, in, in the latter case as punishment for crime. This bill would remove that portion that says except in the uh, latter case as punishment for crime, and it also has a cleanup language in there to keep it from affecting any other, any other way with criminal uh, administration of criminal justice. See no questions, move final passage. Senator Luno moves final passage of House Bill 298. Machines are open. All those in favor, vote yay. Those opposed, vote nay. And the secretary will open the machines. Vote your machines. Senator Reese, yes. You through voting? You through voting? Senator Tarver, you through voting? Close the machines. 34 yeas and zero nays, and the bill's finally passed. And Luna moves to reconsider the vote by which the bill passed. Lay that motion on the table without objection. The high old bills are barriers. The taller I become. The father will take my rights away. I will run You can deny me You can decide to turn Your face away No matter cause Something inside so strong I know that I can make it so you're doing me wrong, so wrong You thought that my pride was wrong Oh, something inside so strong Oh, something inside so strong The more you refuse to hear my voice Yeah. 
Abolition, Abolition. Today. You just heard Louisiana Joint Resolution HB 298 passing on June 1st, 2022, and that was followed by the timeless classic by Lyra, Something Inside So Strong. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. We're also simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, ready to get down with some Louisiana love. Yeah, man, me too. And I'm actually broadcasting from my mother's living room on uh, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm out on the road today. Yesterday was your birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It was a great day. was blessed to be able to have dinner with my parents. So that was really, really uh, a great time for me. It's kind of cool, Mom, just to see your live broadcast. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) when I can finally get her to sit down. (laughs) But she's getting herself situated right now. So she'll... You know, she has. I see her with the headphones, and so I'm pretty sure she can hear us right now. So it's just great being able to just do this for the first time. Broadcasting on Abolition Today from my mother's living room. This is going down in the art, the annals of history. So it's a really great feeling about that. So in our last episode, we addressed the issue of the uh, potential civil war as it is and, that, and not as we wanted it to be. You know, we, we uh, let everyone hear what we've heard and what we've listened to, what the experts are saying. And we also let those calling for the Civil War speak for themselves, from uh, the police to the president, in their own damning words. This week, Max and I are going to be joined by abolitionists from California and Louisiana campaigns, hence the Louisiana. You know, I love that phrase that you came up with, Max. So we're expecting several representatives from each state calling in about that. Deep red and bright blue states, both of which celebrated historic Senate wins this week as they stood on one accord. There's incredible breaking news to share, and once again, the slavery abolitionist movement is gaining massive momentum. We'll tell you about it. Those of us deeply involved in the constitutional slavery abolition are in anticipation mode as we wait for June 15, 2022, when the ACLU National uh, releases its full 170-plus page report titled Captive Labor, Captive Labor, Exploitation of Incarcerated Workers. This is going to shake up the country and further boost the movement to end constitutional slavery now and forever. We're leveling up fast, and as Juneteenth nears, members of the ASNN and partner states will be holding and attending special events national, nationwide, including the premiere of a brand-new documentary at the National Civil Rights Conference. We'll drop the dates and the data. 
We'll also spend some time listening to the historic testimonies before Louise Fournier's respective Senate. And as always, we will stimulate your heart, soul, and mind with amazing musical mix- mixes. It all concludes by bridging the voices of the ancestors back to life for a new generation and our Bridging the Gap segment. So before we start, Max, tell us what you think of the opening track and how was your week? Well, as far as the opening track, I want everybody to realize what they just heard. That was literal history being made. That was the moment and the words that were said when the Senate passed the bill to put ending slavery, removing slavery exception clauses on the uh, ballot for 2022 in Louisiana, in the prison capital of the world, where they still got slave plantations called Angola. They are, for the first time ever, allowing the citizens to vote whether or not they want to have slavery in their constitution. Uh, Man, I've been so emotional this week from that and, and California and all the other things that have been going on. Uh, that have really, we've been blessed. We're moving forward so quickly and getting so much support mm-hmm. now. It's just amazing. And, you know, speaking with Brother Scotty Reed the other day, he was reminding me, like, did you ever really think we'd get this far in our lifetime? Right. So for us, it's right. like magical, you know what I mean? Like, y'all, people finally figured it out, <laughs> and we get to see it before we die. Um, that is awesome. Right. So Everybody here today who listened to this broadcast and going to listen to it in the future gets to hear that magical moment. And then the song that followed after that, uh, you know, some people told me that that should be our theme song. And you're right. It's hard not to feel it. It's something inside so strong. When they said we couldn't do it, we did what? We said we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. And we did the damn thing. So now... The only thing left is for the people of Louisiana to vote. Um, And on the same day, California had their hearings before the Senate. And again, uh, it was a pass with nobody voting against it. Even at one point, as I was watching the hearings in the Senate, somebody called up all upset in California. Like, uh, how are we going to pass this bill when there's no opposition? We we haven't heard any opposition. And the senator said, that's because there is no opposition. Everybody <laughs> had the same opportunity to be here and speak on this. And there was a line right. of people who were there in order to testify in favor and in support of, including emails and letters, which is beautiful to see, man. You know, and the volunteers sure, up in here. Sure. So, as far as the week is concerned, it's the week that's mm-hmm. coming. As you already know, right. what I just mentioned, the week has been like crazy. Uh, we've right. really been getting a lot of wins and moving forward in ways that you haven't even heard of. You know what I mean? But coming up, we got some major events. Uh, we're going to be in, for instance, Vermont. Uh, Yusuf and I, among others, Curtis Davis, Tribal Tribal Reign. Possibly uh, Gina Kenny and possibly Savannah Eldridge will all be coming to Vermont for their events, which are happening from the 17th through the 19th. So we'll be there, getting there on the 18th, and we'll be doing some spoken word at the Richard Kemp Center uh, on Saturday, June 18th. So if you're in Vermont, you want to come see us, come on down and enjoy some spoken word and some discussion with us. Uh, also, on the 17th, I'll be the keynote speaker at the Southern Appalachian Yearly Meeting and Association uh, 2022. 
that goes on at Warren Wilson College in Swannanoa, North Carolina, from the 16th to the 19th. I will be there on the 17th. Uh, this year's theme is Seeking Spirit in Each Other. And for those of you that don't know, uh, SEMA is a community of meetings of the Religious Society of Friends, the Quakers. And we are so close to having them uh, in support fully and helping us with this uh, fight to end slavery, where they can take up the mantle that they carried in former years and do it again with us. So that's right. And then also Slave State 2022. That's the name of the documentary featuring myself, and Curtis Davis and uh, our speakers who will be here tonight, Marie Ireland and others, uh, about the fight to end slavery in Louisiana. That's coming out on June 21st. The first viewing will be at the 11th Annual National Civil Rights Conference. Uh, that's where they'll have their first showing of the documentary Slave State 2022, which is awesome, man. Uh, this documentary coming out right out of time. Yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome news, Max. And I see we have uh, a ton of callers on. You know, I'm not sure if any of our guests are here as of yet. For all of the guests, they can just press one on their uh, keypads. Yeah. So we see as you went to the queue, oh, <laughs> and, and then you see it just lit up. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring in, uh, we'll start with 9740. Uh, who's, who do we have online with us? Good evening, good, e- good evening. Peace, brother. Uh, peace. peace, brother Laramie Griffin. Uh, awesome, man. Good to have you here on Abolition Today with us. Uh, thank you for sharing this moment, man. Uh, you know I got some questions about how you felt and all of that, but let me bring in our next caller real quick. Uh, one five seven one seven. You're on Abolition Today. Is that Maria? Hi everyone. How are y'all doing? Maria Harmon. Yes. Peace, peace, and welcome to Abolition Today. So you heard the opening track, right? That magic moment when it was approved, followed by uh, something inside so strong. What was your thoughts? I'll start with you, Maria. When it actually happened, and you won it. Um. I, I, honestly, I was speechless. Uh, I definitely felt joy in my heart because <laughs> um, I thought back on all of the hard work uh, that we've done over the past year and um, just really making connections with so many people along the way and just seeing that, you know, we remained consistent and we stayed, uh, you know, steadfast in our fight. So just joy, you know, was the initial feeling I felt. <laughs> You know, you mentioned uh, a bunch of hard work that was put in. Could you speak to that a little bit, like some of the hurdles that you had to overcome just to reach this point? Yes, certainly. Um, Last year uh, is when we initially brought the bill um, to abolish the slavery exception clause. Um, I believe it was House Bill 196 last year, and it failed out of the committee terribly. And... um, But all the work that we've done as far as, like, doing town halls, teaching, um, having organizing meetings to get people on board, educating people in the community, um, you know, and and to lose initially uh, last year uh, was a bit hard, you know. And then we just regrouped 
and uh, reorganize ourselves again for this year and just really seize the opportunity. And I'm just really glad to be in connection with uh, great leaders like Curtis Davis and Laramie Griffin and many others who, uh, Reverend Alexis Anderson, um, just powerful people um, that are just committed to uh, liberation, you know, and freeing ourselves of of oppression. And, uh, you know, all of that work that we've done, also doing the interviews for the documentary, um, the work that Marissa put in in her group uh, in in helping us produce this was, was, was very helpful. And, again, just speaks to all the work that we've done that led us to this point. Maria, could you tell us a little bit about your position within the Carcerate Louisiana and connected to the HB 298? Certainly. Um, uh, I'm a volunteer with the Carcerate Louisiana, and I'm also uh, volunteering my time as a uh, the president and chair of the board for Decarcerate Louisiana. And, uh, you know, pretty much our our mission and vision is geared towards um, abolition of any form of um, oppression or enslavement to other people. Uh, we uphold the dignity, the individual dignity and rights to all humans um, that exist on this earth. So once envision a world without prisons as they exist and just really more systemic forms of rehabilitation and reparative justice um, to really make our community thrive. Thank you, Maria. Um, I want to reiterate once again, if any of our guests are online, please press one on your keypad so that we know it's you. So let's go over to Brother Larry Griffin. He's like a one-man army out there. This brother be feeding the hungry, uh, helping the poor, taking care of mentoring the youth uh, while also fighting to educate and then to eliminate slavery from the Constitution. How did you feel? You were, you were right there because I remember you was like calling me up like, Max, <laughs> there's a problem, man. Uh, how did you feel when it finally went over? And tell us a little bit also about your role within the Carcerate Louisiana as well as moving this forward. Well, yes, I um... Yes, again, my name is Larry Griffin. Um, I am the vice president on the board for the Crossroad Louisiana. And the other things you mentioned, um, I have another organization that I'm the founder of, Victory Over Louisiana Violence, um, the nickname Evolve. And, you know, how I felt when it finally went through, when it finally went through, I felt a sense of relief. I felt I felt that this is the I felt that HB two ninety eight and this thirteenth amendment is the is the keystone to the oppression that, you know, we deal with, especially here in, you know, deep south Louisiana. And I have to constantly remind people of that. So when that when that finally went through, um it, it was a sense of joy. It was a sense of, you know, all the things that, you know, we've gone through the last 157 years behind this this short phrase, you know, can now be put in the hands of the people and not at the hands of, you know, these oppressors and slave catchers and ones who really capitalize off the the backs of, you know, black and brown people and poor people, you know, here in Louisiana. I know with me it felt like a real step in the right direction. <laughs> like we are opening up doors that have never been opened up before. 
even in the Civil War, they went to war to keep slavery. And then they adopted convict leasing almost immediately after the Civil War. Uh, They were one of the earliest ones to use convict leasing out in Louisiana. And then to see today, we're about to let the people vote (laughs) to determine whether they want slavery or not. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Laramie and Maria. I want to bring in one more voice real quick. We have a hand up here at 5911. You're on Abolition Today. Uh, Who do we have? Peace, Max. Sam Brown. Brother Sam Brown. Y'all know y'all got to forgive me for not memorizing numbers. I don't even know my own number. It's it's dot, dot, did it, dash, dash, dot, dot, did. I think that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I already know everything is saved under a name, man. But I really just want to say congratulations to Decarcerate Louisiana and the whole team, you know what I'm saying, and about the Slavery National Network. That's a significant accomplishment. And it's something to be excited about. Isn't that the truth? For those that are just hearing you for the first time, Samuel Nathaniel Brown is uh, the man who actually wrote the bill in California that just recently passed through their Senate, only two steps away from going on the ballot in California. Uh, He's also one of the co-founders of ASAP, and uh, he's been uh, the the lead director for now for ACA3, right? Um, Tell us a little bit about your day, because you had a magical day as well. That same day, while Louisiana was doing what they were doing, you were in California testifying before the Senate. And we're going to hear a little bit of that testimony from you and Jamelia later in the program. But tell me about your okay. feelings in California when you got, uh, once again, 100%, nobody in opposition. Well, first of all, thank you for asking, Max. Um, you got to think. I've been doing this work since I was still in prison. And when I say that, I mean, like, speaking on behalf of abolition on ACA3, well, not ACA3, before it was even ACA3, but just speaking on ending involuntary servitude and slavery from a wall phone inside of the prison. And on a couple of those occasions, you had actually flew to California, you know, and were with my wife at the Capitol when we all was having a press conference with me on the phone. Um, <laughs> Talking, you know what I'm saying? And right. Then the next time that the uh, press uh, press conference took place around ACA three was on the Capitol stairs with the senators and assembly members and you know standing behind behind my wife and she held my picture up and the phone to the mic so I could speak from prison. And so to actually do a press conference on those very same stairs that I had only seen through pictures and while I was serving a life sentence in prison. And transition from that to walking up into the Senate and testifying on behalf of this legislation, it was very, very empowering. You know, it it actually made me look at this whole movement in a different light, to be honest with you, because, you know, people give me credit and, and, and things for, the you know, the work that we do or the work that I'm doing. But I don't see it like, like that. I just see it like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? And testifying before them and just speaking from an informed perspective seem to be pretty impactful you know being able to tell them what the plantation looks like today because i'm fresh off the plantation i did 24 years and i've only been out barely 180 days you know so being able to let them know that involuntary servitude is actually counterproductive to public safety and rehabilitation and the personal evolution of a person that's been harmed with trauma in their early childhood years the way it stands right now y'all placing profits and and forced labor over rehabilitation and everything else so 
it was it just felt good to be able to go up in there and represent. And I felt like I spoke for not only the voices of like Harriet Tubman and Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass, but also for my partners that's still in the prison right now. For all the people that I know that's still on the plantation right now, you know, I feel like I summoned all their spirits and spoke for all of them. So it was very incredible for me, and I'm, I'm really thankful to be on the front line with you all and had this opportunity to fight for this more monumental change. Amen, brother. I, I, man, so proud of you. Maria, um, you've had the opportunity you. to speak before the Senate as well uh, on a number of occasions in regards to this. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience, if you want to share some of it. I'm sorry. Uh, I missed the last part of what you said with the Senate. You, like uh, Sam was just saying about the empowerment of being able to speak for the Senate on this issue, you had that opportunity speaking before Congress and the Senate as well on this very same issue in Louisiana. You want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure thing. Um, I I definitely use my capacity to speak to uh, senators individually. Um, and just using uh, my platform as well through uh, being one of the co-directors at Step Up Louisiana, so it's just an ally group with uh, Decarcerate Louisiana. And I've just seen how, you know, when you're consistent and you are just really adamant and bold in, like, what you're saying, you know what you're talking about, um, these senators listen. You know, and um, I'm just grateful for the allies that we did have who were able to influence other senators um, to really think on the right track in getting this accomplished. Because, again, it was just a lot of hard work, um, and it just really starts with us applying ourselves and staying committed to the mission. Thank you. Uh, Laramie, uh, how do you know what to say, man? I've seen you at least three times now standing up before the House or the Senate with something to say. How do you know what to say? Uh, educate our, our audience a little bit. Because this yeah, is like so, the, um, um, the weight of the right. world on your shoulders, I know, right? Right. And, and you know, um, the first thing is you, you have to have a heart for the people. When you when this was brought up, when, when I first got with the carcerate, I said this has to come from the heart of the people. So when I speak, that's where I'm speaking from. I'm speaking to ones that were that were, you know, we call enslaved. I'm speaking for the for the time that I could have been enslaved. People who've been subjugated, people who passed away in prison, the mothers, the fathers, you know, the uncles, and everyone else, and just the families who had to deal with this on a daily basis. So for the last year and a half, I've heard all these stories. So when I speak, uh, they feel and they hear and they see it's coming from a real place, and it has to. This is not coming from you know, a piece of paper. This is not coming from some teleprompter, you know. So when, when these things, when all these things come together, I have to make sure that, you know, it's sound, it's precise, and, you know, things are, things are coming out in a way that they actually feel it, every single word, every single letter, and and, and they do. They actually do hear it. So when I've talked to uh, local council members, um, here and outside of, of this parish, you know, we have parishes here, um, they understand it. Some of them did know, some of them didn't know about it, and they definitely understand it. So when I talk to different uh, senators and legislators and so on and so forth, they were actually all with it, you know. Um, this is about the fair treatment of people. How could you – there's no way you can justify the word slave because when you say the word slave, the first person you think about 
you see a dark skinned person, when you when you talk about the prison system, the first thing we all think about is the dark skinned person. So they know. So when I spoke, I I had to be the one to say something to them, you know, because I walk and talk with them every day. You know, I deal with people on the ground. I tell the Metro Council, you know, stories and whatnot. Um, I told senators about so that they didn't know about. Um, you know, how could a man take care of his family after he gotten out for 14 years, get 180 bucks, and then had to give it back because he had to pay for his good time? You know what I'm saying? That's that's ridiculous. So there's no way you can justify that. And, um, you know, just just making sure that I stayed in tune with you, Max Parsons. I stayed in contact with the carcerate. You know, we had a call every week, you know what I'm saying, understanding what slavery actually was. And it goes very, very, very deep. And also, um, uh, to the brother that's outside of Baltimore, I've actually gone to the – I went to the um, – Great Blacks and Wax Museum, uh, I believe it was in 2009, 2010. You know, I implore uh-huh. you to go there. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I went there in 2009, 2010. Great museum. And that's when I had the first sense of how real slavery was. So all that came together, and it comes together in one fluid thought. And when people know that you've actually been through something, they can feel it. Their spirit, right. I'll, my spirit goes off into their spirit. So, you know what I'm saying, that comes from a real, real place. It's, a, it's authentic, it's organic, natural, whatever you want to call it. So um, I, I thank all you guys for, for the continuous work with the Bottle Flavor National Network, and that's how it comes out. You know what I'm saying? And I have to be – and a lot of times, like, you don't have too many minutes with these sentences, so you have to say in three sentences I have to capture their hearts mm-hmm. and minds just that quick. So, you know, I had to make sure that I didn't go over the top and say, look, this is about the fair treatment. Slavery should not be uh, something that we use as a scapegoat, you know, for free labor or the treatment of anyone, no matter what mistake they made. Thank you, Laramie. I appreciate that, brother. Speaking of knowing what to say, there's a clip I want to share with everybody. And when we come back with another side, I want Sam to give me some commentary about this relationship. But it's a historic moment. It is uh, starts off, of course, with Senator Sidney Kamlager. She's speaking in favor of ACA3. And then uh, Chris Lawson comes in, and he's a founding member of the Coalition for Just and Equitable California, CJEC. Uh, he's also involved with the Reparations Task Force out there. Uh, and they just re- recently released a report that advocates for ending slavery in California as one of the prerequisites towards uh, towards uh, reparations. So this marks the first time that a reparations movement has organized with an abolitionist movement to demand the end of slavery as uh, part and parcel of everything that's happening. So you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Yusuf Hassan and Max Parthas. We're going to go ahead and listen to this track, and we'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 Now, Senator Kamlager, the floor is yours. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and members. Today I am presenting Assembly Constitutional Amendment 3, the California Abolition Act. This amendment is long overdue. The California Constitution prohibits slavery, and voluntary servitude is also prohibited, but with one exception, to punish crime. ACA 3 seeks to amend the California Constitution to remove such conditional language abolishing slavery and involuntary servitude without exception or loopholes. 
Over 94,000 Californians are currently incarcerated in state prison. African Americans account for 28% of the prison population and less than 6% of California's overall population. And although no courts explicitly include labor as a condition of criminal sentencing, there is an expectation that many incarcerated people will perform labor, oftentimes for as little as 8 cents an hour. Today, 12 states prohibit enslavement and involuntary servitude, but exception provisions for a criminal punishment remain. Nine states permit involuntary servitude as a criminal punishment, California being one of them. Dissolving the remnants of slavery and racial inequality is more important now than ever before. In 2021, U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon introduced the Abolition Amendment along with Congresswoman Nakima Williams of Georgia to remove involuntary servitude as a punishment for crime from the U.S. Constitution. Voters in Colorado, Nebraska, and Utah voted to remove exception clauses from their state constitution. California voters should be given the opportunity to do the same. ACA 3 will not do away with community service alternate sentencing programs nor rehabilitative programming. These programs still function in states like Colorado where similar constitutional amendments have taken effect. Our constitution serves as the guiding principle for other state laws. There's no place for slavery, forced labor, nor involuntary servitude on our books. With me here in support is Samuel Brown of the Anti-Violence Safety and Accountability Project and Chris Logson of the Coalition for a Just and Equitable California. And at the appropriate time, I would respectfully ask for your eye vote. You will afford both your witnesses in support two minutes. We'll start with Chris Logson, Logson, I'm sorry, and then we'll go to Samuel Brown. Good afternoon, Senators. As mentioned, my name is Chris Lobson. I am a living descendant of persons enslaved and emancipated in these United States. Together with organizers and advocates across the state and nation, I work with legislators and officials, including now Secretary of State Shirley Weber, as well as our esteemed chair, Senator Bradford, to help enact the law that created California's first in the nation reparations commission. And I'm here today to urge your I vote on ACA3, the California Abolition Act, to finally end current ongoing slavery and involuntary servitude as punishment for a crime. Article 1, Section 6 of our state constitution, which allows for involuntary forced labor, is one of the most clear and unacceptable enduring badges and incidents of slavery in California. The fact that our state permits and supports such a heinous practice is a stain on our state and our citizens. If we do not enforce labor, if we do not change our constitution to remove involuntary servitude, shame on all of us. How can we as a state that says we are leading the nation, that says we are the best of what America has to offer, that says as California goes, so goes the nation, how can we claim to be any better than anyone else, anywhere else, if we right now allow, support, and even profit from forced involuntary servitude, indeed from slavery? Article 1, Section 6 distinguishes between slavery and involuntary servitude, but let's not kid ourselves. What is slavery but involuntary servitude? What is involuntary servitude but slavery? A distinction without a difference. Slavery by another name is still slavery. I've spent the last several years of my life working on reparations. To be clear, ending slavery is not reparations. Ending slavery is ending slavery. 
As Malcolm X, whose birthday we recently celebrated, said, if you stab me, pulling out the knife out of my back does not equal healing the knife wound. But reparations, specifically in the forms of compensation, restitution, rehabilitation, satisfaction, and guarantees of non-repetition, will be harder, much harder, if the harm of slavery is still going on, even while we work toward reparations. Senators, I urge, for these reasons, your I vote on ACA 3. Thank you. You. Next witness. Abolition. You just heard the ACA 3 Senate hearing that was in May 2022, uh, along with uh, Senator Sidney Kamlager, Chris Logson, founding member of the Coalition of a Just and Equitable California, and that was accompanied by Dr. Dre's G thing, and that was the instrumental. Welcome back to Abolition Today with Yusuf Hassan, Max Parthas, and we have on the call with us uh, Brother Laramie Griffin and Sister Maria Harmon along with Samuel Brown. Oh, right, I guess Samuel. I need to pass it to – oh, yeah, I was going to pass it to Sam myself. Oh, no doubt. Brother Sam, tell us a little bit about uh, what we heard there and uh, – I already know that he's been hearing some good, he's been getting some good mentorship on this issue from you because he was hitting all the right spots. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but all credit due to Chris Lawson because he's on point. You know what I'm saying? He, though we talk, I can't take any credit for his in-depth knowledge on the topic and his, his dedication to not only reparations, but also ending slavery. So I really appreciate that, Max, but I got to give credit where credit is due. And a mutual acquaintance of ours introduced Chris and I, you know, when they heard about the work that I was doing and the work that he was doing, it was like, oh, y'all got to meet. And once we met and we spoke, we was like, bro, this is not taking place anywhere in the history of the planet where you have reparations combined with ending slavery and black men leading the charge. It's not happening. I said, so therefore, you know, this is a no-brainer. We agree. This is a no-brainer. We have to combine our efforts with, between the California Reparations Task Force and abolish, um, the California Abolition Act Coalition and, and, and march to our destiny, you know, do, do the work that we've been called to do because it's, it really is a no-brainer. I couldn't understand, and my, my wife, you know, Jamelia asked the question. She was like, well, how are we talking about reparations when slavery hasn't ended? And it's that same thought process that, you know, I had the discussion with Chris when we first met. It's just like, to me, both reparations and Juneteenth, neither could be complete as long as slavery is still on the books anywhere. Because both represent the ending of slavery. So how could we be celebrating the ending of slavery on Juneteenth? Or how could we be, you know, um, recompensating people for the end of, you know, slavery or being emancipated? when we still have modern day plantations in full effect that it never, that never stopped or ceased to exist. So that was something that we agreed upon. And we just knew that we had to combine our efforts and all of the people who believe in this work and stand together because there's no reason why we shouldn't. You know, I don't want you to underestimate the power of what you have put together there, you and Chris uh, on this issue. You know, we've been, approaching reparations organizations for years now, trying to get them to even just listen to reason. 
and it has not worked. I've literally been at human rights conferences with the leaders of NCOBRA, where we talked about this in detail. And they were like, yeah, Max, you're right. And then you never heard anything again after it. Same thing for several others. So you broke ground here. This is, like you said, this is a no-brainer. Why is there a problem? All you got to do is listen to the reason that we're giving you. Slavery never ended. It's still in going right. right now. Here it is right here in the Constitution, in case you don't believe me. How can you deny that or act like it don't exist while you move forward? Because the results of reparations without abolition will mean perpetual slavery. Why would they end right. slavery after reparations when they didn't do it before? <laughs> you know? No doubt. So, yeah. No doubt. It's like putting the, uh, the carriage before the horse, right? Yeah. And... Uh, the, the the other good thing about here in California that I'm so that we so elated about to highlight what you're speaking on is is in addition to you know Chris and I sharing the same views that the actual California Reparations Task Force Committee shares these same views like you know like you mentioned they actually came out with a report suggesting that the legislators support ACA three so suggesting that this you know involuntary servitude gets taken out of the Constitution and the the chairperson of the task force Camilla Moore. She actually has spoken in favor of ACA3 along with, with Senator Bradford, Dr. Amos Brown. I mean, all of them. All of them are in support of ending slavery. And so that's, it's a very unique um, grand coalition that we have here fighting to right this, this injustice that has been taking place since the inception of this country. You know, and it's, it's, it's so awesome to be a part of it, as I said before, because we feel like we're all walking in our purpose, and God is on our side, and things are working out well, from, from Louisiana to here, and I, I expect good things from Vermont as well, and, and every place else. It's our time. Even if it doesn't happen the first time, we double back and we try again, and again and again, and we're not going to stop. That's why we're here. It's nice to have the support from the California Reparations Task Force Committee, just like they have our support. You know, we've been to their hearings speaking on behalf of reparations. Um, appeared on ETM Media speaking on behalf of reparations. We we are all in this together. When the people who came to enslave us came to get us, they didn't say, uh, "Do you support reparations?" And you know, you are abolitionists. No, they say any black ass any black person to do. <laughs> they didn't they didn't discriminate. You understand? So we shouldn't either. We we're in this fight together, and that's that's the best way to move forward. Thank you for that, Sam. Uh, Brother Laramie, I'd like to hear yes, your feedback on the uh, clip that played. Oh yes, um, that was that was perfect. Like you said, you can't have the carriage before the horse. You know, we have to do we have to do these things. Like in COVID, been fighting for they've been around for a very long time. Um, but like you said, we have to do this either in unison or one has to come before the other. You know, that that's that's serious. You know, um, we have to get rid of this clause before we talk about, you know, before we talk about compensation, you know what I'm saying, before we talk about real restorative justice. So here in Louisiana, at the same time, we also had HB 707, which was uh, free and automatic expungements, and also expungements for uh, marijuana, which we know a lot of brothers get locked up for that. They've been doing that since the 70s heavily. So, like I said, that was perfectly said. I can't add anything to it. Um Thank you, Brother Samuel Brown. I never met you in person, but I saw your interview. Like I said, um, I applaud you for being a strong man, for 
staying down for that long and coming out and, and really, you know, being on top. That's how strong black people, African people are. No matter how long you keep us down, we're going to come out on top no matter what. And we have to right. pick up everyone else with us. We have to. This is for the betterment of the black and brown and poor people. This is what this is about. This is a poor people's campaign. This is what MLK talked about. You know, this is what he was uh, going towards, and it's getting pushed in different areas. So we have to keep going. We have to keep moving. If uh, whoever, whoever believes in this, we have to take that organization, those people, teach them, and pull them together because we're going to fight this thing, man. We're going to win. And we don't win until the people win. 100%. We don't win until the people win. We can take accolades and get awards for, you know, doing, you know, work here and there, and that doesn't matter. Let the people win through these actions because racism is a team sport, and we have to work as a team. We have to work even harder. They spend 24 hours a day trying to find another way to bring us back down into fuller the uh, oppression. We had to work twice as hard, so we had to come together, get all the petty bourgeoisie out the way. We had to get all the uh, uh, all the egos out the way. That's not this is about. You know what I'm saying? So we have to keep going. Like you said, uh, this here being removed, this this phrase being removed, and it's so ugly. It's so ugly. You know, uh, this being removed is going to really push us into a different atmosphere. We may not directly uh, benefit from, but our children and our children will thank us for doing this. They will thank us for doing this. You know, and that's what this is about. This is about the right. babies, these children that are subject to this. Uh, and I'm going to say this real quick. They continue to blame the parents for the, how the way the children are acting, but you're locking up the parents for any and everything. So where you where do you leave the children? That's a problem here in this uh, police state and slave state here in um, especially Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Shreveport, especially you know all over the state. So um, like I said, that was perfectly said. Like I said, this is going to bring down, uh, uh, bring down this this stone wall that has been held up for too doggone long. We're gonna turn this into we're gonna turn this oppression into a detritus. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be nothing but rubble when we finish. Amen, Larry. Nothing but rubble. I love that, uh, Sister Maria. A lot has been said since the uh, track played, but if you have any feedback on the track or any. Feedback on what Brother Sam or Brother Larry stated. The mic is all yours. Oh, certainly. Yeah, thank you. Um, what was said uh, at the hearing was very powerful, and uh, I just want to thank this brother for saying all the truth on record. Um, and and it's just uh, this movement in itself is just uh, I find it to be historical and also the dawn to a new era for what it means for justice for us on the ground. And I just see that, you know, these small victories, because I feel like, you know, the larger fight is on the other end as far as, like, turning people out to vote to abolish this uh, officially, you know, um, this fall for the uh, the elections this year. And it's like it just showed me, like, how much work we still have to go about doing and, and that this, this fight for justice doesn't stop, you know, and I'm just uh, really appreciate all what's been said on this call as well. Um, Laramie really spoke some truth just now. <laughs> and 
Um, I, and I, I really stand in agreement of that, you know, and it's, it, it really, uh, the work we do now really sets the tone for the future generations to come. It really does. But I also want to speak to how this law even impacts incarcerated children, like juveniles, because mm-hmm. this clause impacts them as well. And they're paying attention. And I, I, I can't really discount all of the youth, you know, in, in totality, but I really have to speak to the ones that show up and speak up. And that gives me hope. You know, and, and it inspires me, and it gives me the motivation to want to continuously show up as well. Because I also advocate in the public education space as well, in in fighting against the school to prison pipeline. So, um, when we speak about the youth, I'm very passionate as well about that, and particularly black and brown youth. You know, and we we have to really look into demanding the solutions that we need. Um, I feel that. We need to get away from all of this increase of presence of police and in continuously investing into their system of oppression and really looking to investing into community. Um, we, we need much more resources that can be afforded. And it's not like the money isn't there, it's there. And it just shows me the, how the work looks for us charting things forward in the coming years. Um, because now is the time to really demand that. Um, now is the time to really push back against those uh, completely inhumane and unjust actions in the prison system as well, um, because, you know, that covering, that exception clause is clear for us where we can be a bit more bolder in our stances and, and they're really demanding justice. But uh, And like they say, the time is now. We can't wait, you know, and, if, if it's not us, then who? You know, and it's, it's really up to us to really do this. And, um, that's right. I'm encouraged by all the leaders on the ground that's been fighting so far. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Uh, we have the best chance that we've ever seen in history to get it done. We can literally see the light at the end of the tunnel now. You know, with by the end of the year, we'll have as many as 10 states that have abolished slavery already with a federal joint resolution and the rest of the states getting on board to do the exact same thing. It's just amazing to see. And I can't thank all of you enough for the hard work and dedication that you have put forth into this. And with the realism that you show for it, you're not part-time abolitionists. You don't forget that slavery is legal when you're in mixed company. You know what I mean? And there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, We got a lot of people who hear us, but they're not really listening. But they ain't got no choice now because we are speaking so loud that, like the song at the entry said, you know, we our voices are just getting louder if you try to silence us. So, uh, yes, salute to you. And with that being said, I want to let uh, our listeners know, if you're on the line and you're one of our guests that we're supposed to call in tonight, we're still expecting, expecting a couple, please press one on your keypad so that we know what you're being said. What I want to do is let you know that this is a two-hour program. We're coming up on our first hour. Uh, if anybody is able to stay with us the whole show, we would appreciate your presence and the continued conversation. But I would understand if you have to go after the end of the first hour. Is there anybody that is leaving, Eddie? Everybody hanging out with us? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, we're saying awesome. Awesome, and we, and yes. we do have someone, yeah, with their hand up. That may be right. Curtis, I believe. <laughs> it might be. Let me bring them in. Uh, 
6033. You are on Abolition Today. Who are we speaking to? Max Parthas. You My brother Curtis Davis. We got Laramie. We got Sam, man. You guys have done an amazing job tonight. And I'm, I was moved so so seriously by the song, the first song that you played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really a churchy person, but when I tell you it brought chills up my spine, um, the, the walls of Jericho about to come down, Coming and down. all of my all of my comrades working fearlessly because y'all know you're talking about moving a cheese too, and we didn't really um, want to bring that up, but um, this a lot of people stand to lose a lot of um, actual revenue as a result of not having the free labor no more. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, how you stand up as these um, these threats start to come um, on our, our persons and our families. And know that this is real serious work. The work of abolition is so serious. And to see, like, Maria and Laramie, they're fearless. Sam, you fearless. To go against these monstrosities, these multi-billion dollar um, systems that they've created with such bold voices. Like, it, you know, you're going to do the whole thing modern-day Harriet Tubman's and Frederick Douglass's. So thank you guys for doing what you do. I love the show. I'm here every week, and I'm just going to um, be quiet for the rest of the show. You know, you remind, me, you remind me of some of the Bible verses that I was listening to earlier today in regards to Moses and the people of uh, that he left from Egypt to find the promised land. And at some points, they were going to war. And it was this huge army, and... Uh, one of the generals was worried about how big the army was, and Moses was like, listen, you ain't got to worry about how big the army is. You think about how big your God is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's right, right. Right. Exactly. And I believe the hand of the Lord is on us. And I know others have different uh, beliefs and practices, but that's just me. Um, I believe that this divine intervention has come and is allowing us to get this far, and it will not let us down. We will see the finish line of this. <clears throat> With that we definitely said, have divine support. So for this to happen yes, everywhere at the same time, yeah. So go ahead, Max. Thank you for um, hearing my voice. Of course, brother. Hang on with us if you Thank have any more to say. What I want to do is take us to another uh, track, which we'll call our music break. <laughs> And this is going to be uh, the ACA3 hearings again uh, with Samuel Brown speaking and his wife, Jamelia Land, their testimony before the Senate. And that's going to be followed by, I'm talking about freedom from Syl Johnson. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Today, we are here for some Louisiana love. And we'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Greetings, Senators. My name is Samuel Nathaniel Brown. I am the co-founder of the Anti-Violence Safety and Accountability Project, the co-chair of the California Abolition Act Coalition, and the original author of the language which eventually became ACA3, language that I wrote while I was still inside of a prison cell. As of today, I've been out of prison for maybe 170 days, and I served 24 years. So I have a very intimate understanding of the system of the plantation as it is. And I want to make it clear today that this is not a black and white issue. This is not an issue about wages for people who are incarcerated. This is not a Republican-Democrat issue. This is not a progressive, um, conservative issue. This is an issue of morality. This is an issue of humanity. 
because there's no reason why we should stand by today and allow slavery to still be on the books in any form or fashion. In 1865, when the 13th Amendment was ratified, the intention was to abolish slavery, but they didn't accomplish the goal. We here today are the change makers of our time, and we have an opportunity to stand on the right side of history and do what needs to be done today. And so what ACA3 represents is a collective evolution of our shared humanity and closing the doors once and for all on the vestiges of white supremacy and slavery that continue to dog the California Constitution and decimate communities of color and also stand in the face of rehabilitation and public safety. Because as it stands right now, the last job that I had inside of prison, I was a healthcare facility maintenance worker. I was the first person in the state of California to enter inside of a cell and have to disinfect the cell with somebody tested positive for COVID-19. I am asthmatic, I've had a collapsed lung, and I have a high morbidity rate. Still, I did my job. If, for one day, I would have missed my job, I would have received a 115, which is like the modern-day whip. And that modern-day whip would have caused me to get a 15-year denial, a 10-year denial, a 7-year denial, a 5-year denial, a 3-year denial, and prevented from coming home. I would have been deemed an unreasonable risk to society because forced labor currently takes place over rehabilitation. As of today, I walked out of prison. I have an associate to arts in social science, an associate to arts transfer degree in sociology. About three days ago, I graduated from California State University, Los Angeles, Magno Cum Laude, with a bachelor's in communication studies. I've taken thousands of hours of self-help programming. All of that would have been moot if I would have missed one day of work, and I would not have been making it, made it back to these streets to speak to you all in support of this legislation right now. This we cannot allow to stand. This stands in the face of public safety, it stands in the face of rehabilitation, and overall, it's a judge of all of our character. So we have an opportunity today to be on the right side of history and do something that will affect all of the generations to come. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Brown, for your testimony. It's a fine example of what second chances look like. Uh, now we're going to go to witnesses here in the room who want to testify in support of ACA3. You will state your name and your organization, and uh, we'll go from there. So please, name and organization. Good afternoon, Senator Bradford, Senator Kamalager. My name is Jamelia Lamb. I am the wife of Samuel Brown. I am the co-founder of the ASAP. I am also co-chair of the California Abolition Act Coalition. Today I stand before you also as a member of the Abolished Slavery National Network, a national coalition that currently consists of over 32 states, all seeking to remove this language from our respective states' constitutions. We ask for an I vote and thank you for your tremendous support. Thank you. 
Come on, come on, give me some freedom, y'all. Welcome back to Abolition Today. You just heard ACA3 Senate hearing testimony from Samuel Brown and Jamelia Land, and that was followed up by I'm Talking About Freedom by Syl Johnson. Uh, I'll start off with, uh, well, first and foremost, as I see we have more callers on the line, if uh, one of our guests is on. Please press one on your dial so we can enter you into the uh, calling queue. But I'll start off with you, Sam, since uh, you started off the uh, the track itself. Any additional commentary you'd like to add to that? Well, I would like to say, uh, again, thank you all for the work that you all do, you know, keeping this issue before the people and keeping us all abreast, bringing facts to us and valuable information that we need in order to fight in our individual states. Definitely always grateful, and thank you for that, right? I also want to say that this, you know, Louisa Fornia, uh, how you pronounce it? <laughs> Louisa Fornia. Yeah, so and you, you Fornia, man. That. You and Curtis embody that. Uh, that's you what I was about to say. Right. On, on one of my shoulders, I got Louisiana tattooed on one shoulder, and on the other shoulder, I got California tattooed because – those are the two places that I, I was raised with, really. I, I did 14 years in New Orleans before I moved to California. When we moved to California, by the time I was 20, I was in prison facing two life sentences. So, and then I wound up doing more time in prison than I did anywhere on the streets, which is a real sad <laughs> statistic. Nevertheless, it has, a, it has a really personal feel for me, you know. 
to abolish slavery in Louisiana and in California or, or get one step closer to doing it in California, you know, on the same day. Right. To, to, to move, to advance on the same day to get, to get one step closer. It's just, it's, it's real spiritual for me, man. It's a lot going on, you know, and I'm, again, I'm just so happy to be a part of this movement if, and I'm dedicated. My wife is dedicated. Everybody in our coalition is dedicated. Everyone on this call is dedicated. So I don't really have any much more to add to what I said inside that sentence other than the fact that it felt good to just go in there and speak the truth to them. You know what I'm saying? Speak truth to power and represent for the people. That felt real good. Um, you, you I think receipts. about... Huh? You brought receipts to them, man. You know, <laughs> what, what really resonated with me was how you mentioned with all the work that you've done, all the good work, all the rehabilitation said, if you could do work one day, all of that would have gone away, and they would have given you five, ten, fifteen years more in prison. Okay, Yusuf, you sound pretty yeah. bad, like you're standing in front of a fan or something. Oh, you talking about me? You, no, you, you weren't able to hear me. Uh, oh yeah, well, hear I, I heard what you said. Okay. Yes, I heard what you said. And, and I would say that that's why it was important for me to make that point. For the people who are not directly connected to ending slavery based on it's a moral issue, to those who are not directly connected, you know what I'm saying, because they may be descendants of people who were enslaved or someone who just has a, an opinion on it, for those who are just listening to this, 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 this hearing for the first time or learning about Article 1, Section 6 or, or, or the 13th Amendment for the first time, I wanted to make it make sense for them. You know what I'm saying? For somebody who's a taxpayer or who just lives inside a society or in the community who might be potentially voting. And one way to do that was to just demonstrate how counterproductive it is. As it stands, it's, it's counterproductive to rehabilitation. It's counterproductive to education. It's counterproductive to public safety. You're placing the interests of lens crafters or DMV or, or the firefighters over the person who's been traumatized is supposed to be trying to heal. You're placing that, you know, the, 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 the coffers of the corporations over the people who are, are crime survivors who want the person to go inside the prison and become out a better version. You know, you, the way it currently stands, that's not happening. person to go in there and work a job for 10 years, 15 years, and can't walk out with any certification that's going to improve the quality of their life by increasing their chance of employment and decreasing recidivism. And it's just not it's just not commonsensical, you know, so I'm glad you highlighted that, bro. And I'm, I just wanted to give you a little insight into why that was important for me to bring that up was to tie or uh, make it make sense to the person who was, didn't already have a vested interest. So they can see how, how stupid, ignorant, antiquated, anachronistic, outdated <laughs> this whole process is. You feel me? <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Brother Sam. You uh, spoke perfectly at the, at that Senate hearing. And uh, I want to move back over to Louisiana's reps. But before I do that, I, I want to I read some scripture, if y'all don't mind. I don't do this often, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. You know, a lot of us talk about trying to be Christ-like. But what was Christ's vision? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That was his marching orders. It wasn't to walk on water or make wine. His marching orders was what? To proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. And when I hear y'all speak, it reminds me 
of Matthew 10:18 when he said, "But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the councils and flog you in their synagogues on my account. You will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how to respond or what to say. In that hour, you will be given what to say." And I know the spirit be filling y'all when you start talking. So with that being said, let me pass it over to Brother Laramie. Brother Laramie, any comments on what you heard or what we said? Oh yeah, brother. Like you said, um, yeah, I, I was rooting and tooting while he was talking about some uh, uh, uh from uh spent time here in Louisiana and California, man, brother. I don't, I, I couldn't even imagine how that feels, you know. And you, you know, what I'm saying like Louisiana has a deep, deep history of a lot of different things and i'm not going to bring those up at at this point but especially with slavery and california does too so uh, uh like i said you got to be a strong brother to come through these louisiana prisons and then go to california and see what goes on there um but like you said hey this is this is what god told us people talk about um you know the signs of the time they talk about the worst things that happen but guess what? There's some good things happening too. You know what I'm saying? The oppressed will win. The people will win. And I, I thank you, Max, for, for referring, you know what I'm saying, to the Bible, regardless of whoever anyone uh, believes, you know, anyone believes in, you know what I'm saying? So thank you for that. And I just want to say one thing. In Louisiana here, we've always had a love for West Coast music, West Coast people. Even anytime I'm going to California, I have family in California, in <laughs> Oakland. You know, what I'm saying like, I've always like anytime we uh, uh, we duplicate anything that the West Coast did. Master P came from straight from New Orleans, and he went straight to California, straight from here. And as a kid, we wanted to ride with cars with uh, 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 Dayton's and everything like that in Vogue time. We duplicated that. So guess what? We have a, another spiritual love from way back then. Trust, oh, I pay his attention. You know what I'm saying? So hip-hop did that. So now we're going to sit up there. We're going to tear these walls down uh, from these chain link fences, from these chains, even these visible chains from when you are released. We're going to tear all that down. So like I said, this is God's movement. You know what I'm saying? This is God's movement, and this is what he intended, like I said. Thank you, Brother Sam, for, you know, telling your story. I'm learning more and more about you. Like I said, we're going we gonna to win. We all going to win, and the people are going to win. 100%, man. Thank you very much. And it's an honor and a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And I, I look forward to us meeting and working together and talking more. Max, please facilitate hooking us up. I want to continue to build with the brother, right? I got you covered, And I, I'm just thinking about the music, man, and I'm going to tell you, it then came around full circle because now New Orleans and turned around and influenced the whole world. You got everybody got the gold in their mouth and everybody twerking and people calling calling themselves Wody and using our language and don't even know where it come from. So and I and I just observed that. So that's just the spirit, the strong spirit. You know what I mean? Uh, of of the, the unbroken black toe person that just runs the planet. Our spirit runs the planet. In, in all honesty, our politics don't. So with that said. I just want to give Jamelia an opportunity to say hello because she's definitely like the key, the, the crucial part of the success that we've had thus far, and it just wouldn't be right if she didn't represent on this, this historical show. I got her mic wide open. Welcome to Abolition Today, Sister Jamelia Land, of course. 
Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear yeah, you now. Okay, let me turn the volume down. Uh, good, after, good evening, everybody. Uh, oh, man, I've just been sitting here listening in, um, and I have to say that I am I'm full today. I'm full, you know, as Grandma would say. Um, I'm I'm very, very happy about uh, not just the work that we've been able to accomplish collectively, but how we as a, as a culture, as a people, have started to unify around, um, you know, a, a, around these issues. Um, because one of the things that slavery was successful in accomplishing has been breaking up not just the black family, but the black community and a, and a sense of belonging. And so as we continue to fight to end legalized slavery throughout this country, we are also embarking on bringing back our village. Um, and so I am just, I'm ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic to hear what's happening. And shout out to our brothers and sisters in Louisiana. Um, you know, again, I was just, Max, you know, when I, when I got the message from Max that Louisiana, we were literally sitting in the Senate, on the Senate floor, and the text came through about Louisiana. And, um, you know, I just had to maintain my composure, you know, and, and, and look at God. Look at what he is just continuing to do and how he is continuing to use us all. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm very, very proud. I'm very, very proud of all of you all um, and, and those people who aren't on these calls. You know, not all of us are are in the forefront to be seen. Um, there are so many of us that are working diligently and quietly behind the scenes that are just as important and valuable to this movement as, as those that they see on the, on the forefront, you know. And so and, and to our brothers and sisters who are still inside these plantations, um, if you can hear my voice, I want you to know that though I do not know you personally, you are still my people. I still love you. And I will continue to fight for you. And uh, that's it. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. You can't make me change it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, sister. Uh, sister Jermaine Land, uh, all of you are superheroes, like for real. I want to see like uh, action dolls made up of Larry McGriffin action dolls and Maria Harmon action dolls and stuff like that. I want to see miniseries with you in it. You know, being the superheroes that you are in the future, that'd be awesome. With that being said, let me go ahead back to Maria uh, and get your commentary. And after that, I want to do a round robin, get every give everybody a chance to say whatever they want to say. So, Maria. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm truly grateful uh, to be connected with everybody on this call. And Brother Sam, it's been a pleasure to just hear your story and your journey to where you are now. Um, I myself have a lot of family in California. Um, like I said, I'm from from Louisiana, but I'm kin to a lot of Montgomery's and Harmon's off of California around Los Angeles, Compton, Inglewood area. But 
Yeah, so California is deep and, and close to my heart. That's my one of my other favorite states in the country <laughs> due to the culture and just the people. But, um, yeah, I'm just grateful to be in this fight, you know, every day just to have the ability to use my voice um, to be in a fight to make a change. And, and I don't take that lightly because all of us have, um, as was mentioned earlier, all of us have something to contribute that can get us on the other end. Um, to where we want to be, and, you know, I, I, it, it just infuriates me to know that during the course of this time to meet so many uh, powerful people that are inside, you know, that have beautiful minds and um, and have a passion, you know, for life and to be constrained in four walls, and I, I think about them daily, you know, and, uh, and that net you know, their faces and their experiences and their stories are at the forefront of my mind every day, you know, and it it it, it takes a toll on you, you know, but we, we have to keep joy at the center, and I feel like that is also a, a mindset and an act of resistance in itself, you know, that keeps us going. So I just want to lift up just the element of black joy, and I, I feel that being on this call, I feel that, when uh, we got the announcement about uh, House Bill 298 passing and, and be able to be voted as a constitutional amendment this fall, you know, the, the hard work that we put in um, to get to this point is, is, is just tremendous. And it, it just speaks to the village work, you know, the collective work that's necessary to do what we have to do, speaking to what Sister Jermaine was brought up about the village. And, I um, again, I'm just grateful. I have a lot of gratitude. And, uh Again, Brother Sam, your, your story was extremely powerful. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank sir. You. <laughs> Look at that. Speaking of saying, go ahead, brother. You want to say something in response? Oh, well, I was just saying thank you. I wasn't I was trying to cut you off, Max. I just wanted to acknowledge what she said and, and say thank you very much. And I'm I'm really humbled to be here and honored, and and I admire the work that's taking place in Louisiana. You know. Curtis, Maria, I mean, all of you all, bro, that's, this is incredible. This is incredible, man. So thank you. Thank you for honoring me, but I honor you. I just want you to know it goes both ways. It's mutual. Amen. So we, um, the Louisiana formula love is strong. <laughs> uh, we got another <laughs> caller, right. it looks like, uh, as we wind down. So let's bring in 10-0-1047. You're on the line, Abolition Today. Who's calling? Hey, Max, it's Sylvester. Oh, peace, Brother Sylvester. Hey, I know you rushed out of work, right? Hey. Yeah, the game ran a little long today. <laughs> hey, well, it's good to get you here for a few minutes at least, Brother um, Sylvester. Uh, you want to tell our audience a little bit about who you are and also our guests so who don't know you? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, my name is Sylvester Annie Jr., I am founder of The Love We Don't See, a, a nonprofit that, you know, focuses on highlighting the love that we do see in our communities and investing in education. Um, and I'm also a part of the uh, ACA3 uh, Abolish Act Coalition to Remove Slavery um, and Involuntary Servitude from uh, the Constitution in the state of California. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm with family right now. So it feels good. Yes, you are. And I know you just got here, but let me tell you, we have had a kick-ass hour and a half already. <laughs> it is been uh, so you know, you gotta, I already know. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to go back and listen to it later on, man, for sure, on replay. Uh, but 
we've covered a lot of the bases. I guess we could get some of the real uh, root stuff from you about your emotions, your feelings when you were there uh, during the Senate hearing and watched this thing pass another step in California, as well as it happening on the same day that Louisiana got theirs approved finally to be put on the ballot. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's beautiful just for the simple fact that um, I feel like we're really, we're really getting to the root cause of what has created the environment that we're living in under today. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the capitalism that was born out of slavery is still something that we, we deal with today. And we've never lived in, in, in America that, has not legalized slavery in this country. Um, And then you see how that affects every single sector of society, whether it's education, whether it's uh, healthcare, uh, jobs, housing, um, hell, even the freeways. You, you can't, you can't, you can't get around how it's affected uh, the environment as well. Um, Because of the capitalism that was, that was born out of slavery um, and the need for, to exploit people, not just only here, but abroad. And I feel like, you know, if we if we get to the root causes, um, then that allows us to move past the legacy of it. Um, because what capitalism does, um, and, you know, by as a byproduct of slavery, what it does is that it silos us off from all of the issues that bring us, that are connected, that are interconnected. Um, and by tackling the head of the snake, um, I feel like it gets us one step closer to to living in a society that prioritizes the care of human beings versus uh, the exploitation and the profit that you can get out of a human being. So uh, it's just I, I just I'm just so happy to be a part of this and to get to the root causes of what's brought us here. You are nailing it on the head with the root causes. I mean, I, I often am asked to do other things too divide my attention or to help support other efforts as equally as I do with slavery abolition. And I keep saying, listen, once you find out what the problem is, why do you want me to go and and attack symptoms? There's not enough of us doing this as it is. You know what I mean? I I mean, why would I want to fight mass incarceration when it's not really even a thing? There's no laws against mass incarceration. Mass incarceration can't be abolished. Uh, They could, quadruple the number of people that they're imprisoning tomorrow and they wouldn't break a single law doing it. So why would I go after that when it's actually slavery by another name? Uh, So I appreciate you guys staying on point with that uh, all the time and uh, showing how this is interconnected across so many different ways. Uh, Every aspect of society, economic, education, as you mentioned, criminal justice, even in the medical field, we saw that with the COVID, you know what I mean? Everywhere. Sam, Sam gave yeah. us a good breakdown on that, where he had right. to go in. He was the first one in, in California, I believe he said, and exposed himself to cleaning a cell of someone who tested positive for COVID. And, and it's even costing us our lives, where, you know, these narratives that they're putting out to dehumanize and demean us and criminalize us are making people hate us so much they want to come to our communities and murder us, and they're doing it. Uh, so it's certainly time to deal with the roots, because if you deal with the roots, you won't have to deal with what? The fruit. So let's deal with the roots. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I want to do a quick round robin of all of our guests. Give everybody a chance to say whatever you want to say, and please let us know how we can help 
with websites or where we can make donations. So let's start with Brother Curtis Davis. I know you didn't plan on saying much, but are you still there? Yes, sir. All right, let's start with you on the round, Robin. Again, um, we have a big fight, um, as Maria said before. It was a lot of work to get to the point that we're at right now, but to canvas all 64 parishes of the state of Louisiana, and um, Reverend Anderson, who was one of my mentors, always says, Curtis, we have to fight for every vote. We can't assume that just because a parish has been historically um, the Ku Klux Klan stronghold, like Washington Parish or something, that we're not supposed to go in there and make sure that some of those people understand that voting um, so in slavery actually is beneficial across racial lines as well. So it's going to take us a lot of um, imaginative marketing to um, educate our, our, our population in such a very short amount of time because um, November is not that far from here. And everybody's like, that's like a half a year. Uh, it's going to fly by like one or two months. You know what I'm saying? So we want help in continuing to get together and, and trade information, trade resources. Um, if you guys know where grant money is for rapid response to get out the vote efforts, let us know. And if we find those same type of grants, opportunities, we're going to let you know. When we hook up with funders, we'll let you know. And we need to know how you plan on getting the messages out, the, the creative ways that California is going to use to um, get those messages out can be replicated here because this is the Southwest Connect. Me and Sam was talking about it the other day. Louisiana and California have historical migration tracks um, with each other. So we're actually related um, by blood most of the time. You know, we went to real small examples like from – Shreveport to Compton, California, from Baton Rouge. As a matter of fact, and I'm going to end with this, I would posit it to say that most of your really, really serious activists in in history, um, whether it be Geronimo Jajiga Pratt, whether it be Huey Newton, whether we're talking about even um, Big Tookie, um, Stanley Tookie Williams, they all came from... Uh, Louisiana to California and back and forth the same way. So um, let's get this California or Louisiana connect thing going <laughs> real tough. <laughs> and remember that we fight in one fight, y'all. Peace. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Curtis Davis. Thank you, All right, Curtis. Uh, let's go ahead and take it over to Sister Maria Harmon. Um, whatever you want to say, please leave us with the websites if you have any you want to share. Um, yes, uh, we have a, a Facebook page and Instagram page for Decarcerate Louisiana. And uh, also, please be on the lookout for all information we'll have coming forward um, with ways to get involved with how we're going to mobilize to rid ourselves and officially abolish the slavery exception clause and, and how the uh, voters across Louisiana can be involved with that and turning out the vote. And um, we need all hands on deck because, as Curtis said, it's 64 parishes. There's a lot of ground to cover. But um, I feel confident in us having the resources and the momentum necessary to get it done. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have, really. I mean, we're we're defeating and and working to uh, eradicate systems of white supremacy, you know. Um, Being a descendant of uh, enslaved Africans in Louisiana, 
you know, really invigorates me to really want to continue this fight to get on the other side and really have just laws and for our Constitution to really be upheld with moral clarity, you know. So, um, again, I'm grateful to be on this call and uh, to spread awareness about our cause. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Indeed. You. Uh, Brother, Brother Laramie? Yes, and like they said, just be on the lookout um, for the information to be able to donate any type of resources. It's definitely, definitely needed. A lot of these small towns are very, very far apart, and they're very small, but, you know what I'm saying, what we're doing is very, very big. And, you know, like I said, we keep, we're keeping it very simple. Um, like Curtis uh, said uh, a, a little bit back, he said that we're not bringing up the – the monetary issue, we're just talking about the treatment. And just staying on cold, and we have to give a shout-out to uh, Representative Edmund Jordan, him staying on cold for right. 30 to 40 minutes of the uh, the Housing Civil Law and Procedures Committee grilling him for yep. 30 to 40 minutes straight. <laughs> he stayed on cold. He stayed on point. And guess what? They had no choice but. And also the uh, – uh, Representative Nelson, he did his research, and we knew someone would about Utah, and they brought that up, and because of that also moved this into a unanimous decision across across the board, across the board, unanimous. I don't know what 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 other bill can you find that went unanimous, and 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 given, and you remember Max. A representative last year said this is the most dangerous bill that has ever come across, and guess uh-huh. what it is. So, um, <laughs> like I said, we have a we have a, a huge job to do. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of work. We, you know, saying we staying engaged. We have people who, uh, you know, every event that I have, I go to. I either have t-shirts with me or I wear a t-shirt, and they know that you know. Uh, uh, that we are, you know what I'm saying, the carceral Louisiana is a real thing. It is a real thing, and that's what we're going to do. Like I said the people are going to win and all of this. Um, and and, and uh, Curtis said exactly what needed to be said. You know what I'm saying? You have the the movements, the black power movements that are hand-clapping this thing. You have organizations that just do regular civil work that are hand-clapping, removing this. So we have a lot of people behind us here in Louisiana, um, uh, multiple organizations. I've gotten so many messages and just thanks and calls and everything else um, about this. And I say, look, it, it, it's not just about me. You know what I'm saying? It's about the people, you know what I'm saying, who've actually gone through this and actually had the blood, sweat, and tears uh, uh, you know, behind, you know what I'm saying, this, this phrase. You know what I'm saying? This uh this language that have enslaved our people. So, um like I said, it, it's more people than we think that are actually watching. Um, like I said, they definitely are. And you know saying we're gonna stay steadfast. And like Curtis said, like like I said, November's gonna come up fast. And we're gonna have to be purposeful about not only uh it's not just the teenagers that may not know, it's the elders also. I found every age group that they have known or does not know about this clause, this phrase. So we have to teach everyone. You know, we, right. we're not going to just target 60 and above or just the teenagers. Trust me, people are very intelligent. They are taught in different ways. 
what I'm saying? But we have to make sure we touch every single one. So I'm going to be getting with, you know, the school say, look, whatever 17 year olds you have, and before if they turn their turn to a certain birthday before they're able to vote, let, let, let's get them to vote. Let's get them. Bring them to me. And I don't care they're the worst ones. Let's get it done. We're going to get it done. I appreciate y'all, all you guys. Maria, Curtis, Reverend Anderson, Representative Jordan, you, Sam, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, everybody on this call today, you know what I'm saying, I appreciate y'all. I've learned from every single one of you, you know what I'm saying? So these words are not just mine. These are all our words, all power to the people. We will win. Amen to that. All right, I'm going to go over to Jamelia next. And Jamelia, you know, we had a conversation with some people not too long ago, and they were saying, we're kind of looking for those magic moments again. Wasn't tonight one of those? <laughs> tonight was definitely one of those magic moments, Max. Uh-huh. Without a doubt. Um, and so I want to say to, to everyone on the call, again, just to reiterate how amazing you all are and the work that, that we are all, um, we've all embarked on. Um, something that I, I was listening to that as you all were talking and it, it, it like really hit me, you know, and I was listening to Sam, um, the, the, the depth of the Louisiana, California connection. Cause I'm sitting over here and I'm, I'm thinking, and then it, it, we got to go, Oh damn. My mama's from yep. Louisiana. I'm just showing it out. My daddy's from Texas. Like we migrated from 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 the south, very specifically Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi. We we migrated to California and we landed in Los Angeles and in Oakland. Um, and a part of the, our history has been lost because I remember growing up. You know, at that time they had they had, they had California Youth Authority CYA. Where they were, they were locking up predominantly African American young boys. I'm talking junior high school, right? Um, and at that period of time, while CYA was building and, and you know snatching all our young boys off the streets, I remember the aunties and grandmas and elders in the community. Oh, you okay? They're not about to get you. I'm sending your ass back to Alabama for the summer. I'm sending your ass back to Louisiana for the summer. You going back there with Aunt Mamie and them, and you're going to learn something, you know. Um, we, we we lost that sense of community. Um, and so, again, as we, we do this work, you know, I'm hopeful that we will be able to restore. Restoration is necessary for us, because not only do we have to end slavery, we also have to end the mental enslavement of our people. Just like people, most people don't know that slavery is still legal in the United States of America, most of us don't realize we're walking around here with an enslaved mindset oftentimes against one another. So while we legally free ourselves, we also have to spiritually, emotionally, mentally and psychologically free ourselves and and come back into the fold. And my last comment will be, as we saw that great migration, you know, in the late 30s, 40s, 50s, coming out of the South, coming into California, 
um, I've, I've watched something interesting happen, at least in the past 10 years. We are now migrating back to the South. And so I'm hopeful that those who are in California who, you know, we're migrating back for, for different reasons, right? Our, our people migrated here because they wanted uh, they wanted to give op- they wanted to give their families opportunities. A lot of us are migrating back because the cost of living is different. We can afford to purchase a home back south, um, but we're also able to take take a lot of the, the the knowledge and the education that we've been able to receive in places like California and take it back to our people in the south because we we do know that the educational systems are very old and outdated in the South as well. And, and education, as my husband always says, is a powerful transformative tool. And that is why they don't want us educated. They don't want us to know our true history. They don't want us to know who we are. But yet and still, we continue to rise. And so I just implore everyone on this call to continue to do as much as you can to educate not just yourself, but your community. And then I have a call to action. That's what I said last thing, two things ago, but this is really it, man. Uh, call to action. Um, and I think that is something that we, we should be doing across the state um, when we have these hearings coming up. Um, but I, our next hearing is here on June 13th. We are expecting to pass unanimously through this hearing as well, and then we are officially on the ballot. For November of 2022, what I would I, what I would ask is that anyone who can hear this to call in. I will make sure that I get Max the phone number. Max, if you wouldn't mind, share the number. Um, it's over it on our page. Perfect. To hear people call in and offer their support for the piece of legislation here in California for those led for our legislators here to hear. I'm calling from Louisiana. I'm calling from Texas. I'm calling from Vermont. I'm calling from, you know, wherever, New Jersey, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, and we will continue to do the same to support the state that we are working with collectively as well. So that's it for me. Thank you, Jamelia. Um, I got two more voices I got to get in. Uh, we got about five minutes, ma'am. So let's go ahead and go to Sylvester. Sylvester, I'm sorry we didn't get to spend too much time with you, but I'm glad you're here and we did get to hear some from you. Go ahead and tell us whatever you want to tell us, brother, and share any relative websites that you want the people to go to to support. Uh, I feel like y'all said it all. <laughs> really, I mean, we're, we're, we're almost we're almost at the finish line, you know, in terms of getting us to that place where, um, you know, we'll be on the ballot. And um, uh, like like it was said earlier, we have to really focus on education. Um, I just started substitute teaching, and when I when I tell you every single social studies history class that I teach. I, you know, and we're, it just so happens that we're on the subject of it. We're talking about slavery. We're talking about the Civil War. Every time when I ask them, is slavery still legal? They say, no, it's not. And <laughs> and that's a, it's sad. It's a disservice yeah. to our children. It explains why we don't, they don't, we don't understand the position that we're in because we're being indoctrinated with lies and not the truth. Um, and they'll try to distract and, you know, bring up things about CRT and et cetera. Um, but then, Things, you know, tools like that help you understand 
the systemic. We're not talking about personal disagreements with, between people. We're talking about laws that were created to disenfranchise communities, classes of people. And, and that's what, you know, we're trying to get to at the bottom of this. So I just, I'm seconding everything that everyone has said before. Um, I got here on the mic uh, next time. Uh, hopefully there's not a conflict with work so I can be here on time <laughs> with you and spend the whole two hours with y'all. But um, it's love being here with y'all. Thank you, Brother Sylvester. Thank you for that. you, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, of course, uh, the, certainly not least but last uh, on the mic is my brother Sam. Brown. And I just want to say, Sam, I got a lot of family out, out in New Orleans, whole family from my father's side, Nelson Brown. Uh, he had a brother named Emmett. Uh, both of them have passed away now. Who knows? We might be blood, bro. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, my, maybe, maybe you where I got my poetic skills from. <laughs> uh, no, we brothers, that's for sure. Uh, any uh, final comments? Hey, we brothers no matter what. Back. Yes, sir. And we brothers, no matter what, Max. Uh, ASAPJustice.network. ASAP, A-S-A-P, justice.network. Also, endslaveryincalifornia.org. Endslaveryincalifornia.org. And so, like you heard Jamelia say just now, it's, you know, it's a call to arms. We need everyone to call in and support this legislation. And anyone that would like us to do the same, please don't hesitate to ask. We, we will. This is a unified effort. On all of our behalf, we all part of one body. You know, um, they may call us the United States, but to us it's all the same thing. Everywhere we go, I see the same things. I see the same inner cities. I see the same dilapidated neighborhoods. I see the same um, unfair treatment. It's, it's all the same. And the more, the sooner we realize that we're all in the same, we're all in the same boat, the sooner we'll stand together and have a much stronger impact. And... I just want to leave you with a vision of something that I was thinking as we were talking. 25 years ago, 1997, I got arrested. I went to Templeman, and I was shackled, you know, and cuffed up. And then from Templeman, I went to HOD, House of Detention, all of these in New Orleans, shackled, cuffed up. And then they shackled me and cuffed me up and took me to OPP, Orleans Parish Prison. And then from Orleans Parish Prison, the U.S. Marshals came and got me. And I was shackled, and I was cuffed up. And then they put this device on my leg that if I got too far away from these two white men, mind you, that it would shock me and it would paralyze me and I would fall to the ground, some kind of device on an ankle weight. And I recall being escorted through that airport, and I felt like, like, like a fucking slave. Excuse me, I felt like property. You know what I'm saying? I felt less than, less than a man. And they, they were walking through like they had a pride, like they had caught something, something special, you know. And unbeknownst to me, even then, subconsciously, it took me all the way back. It took me all the way back. It's like, man, the same stuff was still happening today. And then years later, I, I'm in Folsom in California. And old Folsom was built in 1875, 18, 1878, I believe, 1878. And the land that it was built on was donated by the Livermore family, the same people who are responsible for building the Folsom Dam. And what most people don't know is the Folsom Dam was built by enslaved black folks and, and, and Native Americans and Asians. And so was the prison. Folsom was also built by enslaved black folks. And the, the land and the, and the labor was donated by the Livermore family. And I caught a case while I was there. They tried to give me a second life sentence while I was inside prison already. 
And I'm, I'm going to say this and be quiet. I just want to just, just this quick narrative, man. And I remember being escorted by these officers. They would grab the shotguns. They would grab all of their extra rounds. And they would grab these handguns. And, and they would shackle me up and cuff me up and put me in the back of the van and escort me to the courthouse and then bring me back to the prison each time. And, again, I was struck with, with like, juxtaposing time. It was like, here I am on the plantation, and it's still business as usual. Two white men are transporting this black man. I'm near cargo, and this is the business. And this was before I even thought about an ACA3 or, or, or writing about involuntary servitude. Mm-hmm. I was just feeling it and living it. And God was talking to me and telling me that it was wrong, you know, and that it was an ongoing problem that had never been corrected. So to be here with you all today correcting this problem, again, I feel honored. You know, Brother Larry, me, um, Maria, Curtis, everybody, everybody, Yusuf, Max, you know what I'm saying, Jamelia, I'm proud of all of us. And, and we're doing what we were supposed to be doing. We're walking in our purpose. And if there's anything that we can do here in California to help, please don't hesitate to ask. That's what Louisiana love looks like. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Sam. I'm, I'm going to give my thanks, and then I'm going to pass it over to uh, Yusuf, who will give his and also uh, announce our sponsors. The program isn't over yet. We still got a powerful segment left called Bridging the Gap, where we bring the voices of our ancestors back to life for a new generation, because they've got so much to teach us about what we're fighting, because they've already fought it. Uh, so you definitely want to hang on for that. I want to say thank you to all our guests who came in tonight, uh, showing that Louisiana love for our listeners, uh, our callers. Uh, your, I guess the only word I can think of is is Ubuntu. Uh, I am because we are together. We're getting this done. And the ancestors, I know, are so proud of you today and what you've accomplished. And we've got to take our wins where we can get them. And we'll celebrate again tomorrow when we win something else. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic to Brother Yusuf. Thank you, Max. Thank you to all of our guests for this evening. Thanks to all of our listeners and our constant supporters. Uh, this is another win, and we're going to keep winning. You know, we're short on time, so I'm just going to go ahead into thanking our sponsors, uh, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sama Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Coffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dream, the Black Talk Radio Network, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash abolition today. For all the news, information, and music you hear on the program, we're also available on all major podcast platforms. Remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us to become part of the solution. Text end the exception. One one word, no spaces. Text that to five two eight eight six and follow the prompt. So you can send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed twenty eighth amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause to the thirteenth amendment. Tonight's bridging the gap basically was inspired by what I was hearing uh Sam talk about when he was in front of the uh the California Assembly. And when you hear Frederick Douglass talking about the aftermath of the 14th and 15th Amendment and that there's going to come a time, like our time is going to come, and we're definitely living in that time now. This is going to be Frederick Douglass. It's going to be narrated by Ozzie Davis, 
speaking on the aftermath of the 14th and 15th Amendment, and it's going to be accompanied by a compilation of tracks by Louisiana native Terrence Blanchard from the movie Harriet. It's the soundtrack. So the tracks are Walking Into Freedom, Broken Contract, O Ye of Little Faith, Walk Like You Have a Right To, Our Time Is Near, Christina, Erevold, Stand Up, and then Nina Simone is going to answer the question, What is Freedom? We'll be back next Sunday, June 12th, God willing, with another masterclass on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings to all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Unlike the movement for the abolition of slavery, the success of the effort for the enfranchisement of the freedmen was not long delayed. In addition to the justice of the measure, it was soon commended by events as a political necessity. As in the case of the abolition of slavery, the white people of the rebellious states have themselves to thank for its adoption. Had they accepted with moderate grace the liberal conditions of peace offered to them and united heartily with the national government in its efforts to reconstruct their shattered institutions instead of sullenly refusing as they did their counsel and their votes to that end, they might have easily defeated the argument based upon the necessity for the measure. But their apparent determination to re-enslave the Negro in some new form of slavery made it essential that the freedmen obtain the shield of the ballot box. Consequently, there came in due time the great amendments to the Constitution, the 14th and 15th, which invested colored men with citizenship and the right to vote. The adoption of the 14th and 15th Amendments and their incorporation into the Constitution of the United States caused many of my former associates in the cause of the Negro to believe that their work was finished. Some even cautioned me against demanding too much for the colored people. They reminded me that only a decade ago, Negroes were slaves without any rights, and that in an amazingly short time, they'd been freed and transformed into American citizens and even given the right to vote. But even as they spoke, a new pattern of oppression replacing the old slave system was growing up in the South. The plantation owners, shorn of their source of power by emancipation, devised new methods of reducing the freedman to a state of peonage that would keep him bound hand and foot to the plantation. Terrorist societies, such as the Ku Klux Klan, swept down upon Negroes who dared to protest the violation of their rights. Any Negro community which sought to defend its civil liberties soon found its churches and schools a smoking shambles. Soon, as a result of this terror, the constitutional amendments adopted after the Civil War became little better than a mockery of freedom. When I met delegates at Negro conventions who had lived through the horrors of seeing their families massacred, their churches and schools burned to the ground, and their homes left in smoking ruins, I realized the ridiculousness of the contention that my work was over. Constitutional amendments guaranteeing the Negro equality and fair play looked very well in print. I reminded my friends. But law on the statute book and law and the practice of the nation are two very different things and sometimes very opposite things. What were the 14th and 15th Amendments worth to the victims of the Klan terror? What did the ballot mean to men reduced to a state of peonage? At the South, 
I argued in speech after speech, the Negro dependent upon his enemy for his daily bread cannot long vote or act contrary to the will of those to whom he must necessarily look for food and raiment which he must have. It is a grand thing to have rights secured by constitutional provisions and by legal enactments, but without a public opinion and the government to enforce them, they are a mockery. To be one half freeman and the other half slave, to be a citizen and yet treated as an alien, to be a man and yet not be a man among men may do for monsters, but not for genuine manhood. To those who called for a halt to agitation on the Negro question, I replied, we certainly hope that the time will come when the colored man in America shall cease to require the special efforts to guard these rights and advance their interests as a class. But that time has not yet come and is not even at the door. When the doors of nearly every workshop in the land are closed against the colored race and the highest callings open to them are of a menial character, while a colored gentleman is compelled to walk the streets of our large cities like New York, unable to obtain admission to public hotels, while staterooms are refused in our steamboats and berths are refused in our sleeping cars on account of color, and the Negro is a byword and a hissing at every corner. The Negro is not abolished as a degraded caste, nor need his friends shut up shop and cease to make his advancement in the scale of civilized life a special work. Where is she? Come on back, peaceful. Whoa. Easy now. I'm a wish for your guy. Walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head, just in case I had. While the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night, that's when I'm gonna stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home, far across the river. Can you hear freedom calling, calling me to answer? Gonna keep on keeping on, I can feel it. 100 miles to freedom. Would you like to pick a new name to mark your freedom? Paratum.
Welcome to the Underground Railroad. What freedom is to me, no fear. I mean, really, no fear. Abolition. 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 